There's a solitary, humble, wooden structure on a windswept hill in rural New England. To open the door is to engage our minds, our hearts, and our imaginations. In this place, preachers and professors, past and present, come alive as they walk the aisle, ascend the pulpit stairs, and teach. From theology, from history, and from the Word of God, welcome to the Saybrook Meeting House, an audio production of Saybrook Ministries. Godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. To none is it more fruitful of good than to the devoted minister of Christ. It is his solace and his stay. It helps him in his own soul, in his labors, in his study, in his pulpit, before the church and before the world. Such piety as the scripture calls for will be accompanied with genuine zeal. It will avail itself of every opportunity to do good. It will be keen and earnest in its quest of occasions for glorifying God. One who was a trifler and an impostor called to see Dr. Livingston. The good man was polite and faithful and by the truth reached the conscience of even the deceitful man and brought him to repentance. Such piety will make men charitable in every good sense of that abused word. It will lead one to think no evil and to speak evil of no one. Men whose thoughts are as kind as they ought to be seldom if ever find themselves involved in trouble by rash or harsh censuring. Feeling right, one is apt to speak and act right. Such piety will give all that important knowledge which we derive from an experience of the things of God in the soul. For it, there is no substitute. Oxenden says, who can say with what power those truths will come from our lips which have been prayed over on our knees in secret, when all that they condemn in ourselves has been lamented, and when all that they teach us has been attempted in our own life. Universal Christian experience is the result of the work and truth of God's Spirit on the heart of His people. Whatever is contrary to the experience of God's people is not true. Such piety as the Bible calls for will make ministers men of prayer. Thus the feeble among them shall be as David. Without prayer, the strongest is a poor, feeble worm, powerless for good. So necessary was prayer in the eyes of the apostles that they no more dared to pretermit it than they dared to cease preaching. We will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word, Acts 6, verse 4. And prayer that is heartless has no promise of an answer from God, 
God may and does hear the cry of the heart where no word is uttered, but he never graciously answers calls of the lips where the heart is wanting. Everywhere the prayer of a believing heart is highly commended in Scripture. Such piety will also make men consistent in their profession. Their words and deeds will delightfully correspond, and this will be an immense gain. Preeminently, God's ministers are the light of the world. But if the light that is in them is darkness, or is obscured by dark deeds that cannot come to the light without reproach to their calling, the case is sad indeed. God's servants are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its savor, it is good for nothing but to be trodden under foot of men. Paul fairly, if not effectually, silenced the slanders of many and mightily confirmed the faith of good men when he was able to appeal to his own life in vindication of his motives and conduct. Hear him. Ye know, from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons. Acts 20, verse 18. The same spirit of piety makes men humble. Brown of Haddington says, Though pride prevails much in my heart, yet I think I would trample it thus far under my feet, as that I would be glad to see all my students, and not only them, but all the faithful ministers of Jesus, bringing hundreds or thousands of souls with them into heaven, though I should have but five or six. Where piety is genuine and growing, there will be a symmetry in the character which will otherwise be lacking. Doctrine and morals, precept and practice, study and pastoral labor, closet and pulpit work will thus be likely to have due proportions. To persons of such a character, God will be a refuge. Christ will be the life. The Holy Ghost will be the oil of gladness. The benevolent affections will be steady, the zeal will be pure, and heaven will be regarded as the eternal home. Thus it will be rendered certain that a minister will be a good man, keeping a good conscience and showing all good fidelity in all the offices of life. As a religious teacher, he is a steward of the mysteries of God, and it is required of a steward that he be found faithful. When the man of God manifests a want of solid goodness of character, the wicked shout and taunt the people of God. But when he is able by well-doing to put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, the saints are happy and rejoice. Thus, too, will be cured that miserable love of popular favor, which always brings a snare with it. It is but a small number of men who can, without divine grace, act better than Pontius Pilate when placed in trying circumstances. Some evidently believe that one may almost as well be out of the world as out of public favor, and so they become time-servers. Their principles are neither settled nor unbending. They are unstable as water. They are miserable changelings. 
Such will chiefly study to please men, not God, to set forth themselves, not their master, to seek the praise which comes from sinful worms, not the praise which comes from God only. But a just sense of the awful majesty of God, of the sinfulness of sin, and our immense obligations to redeeming love, will sooner or later cure this man-worship and give to all the thoughts of nobler aim. Such piety as that described will surely lead, as opportunity offers, to the study of God's Word, and so to the search after truth. The priest's lips should keep knowledge. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee. Ignorance cannot teach wisdom, nor is she the mother of any good thing. Christ did not send forth his apostles to found churches and to bring the world to him until they had been for nearly three years under the tuition of him who spoke as man never spake. Moreover, they were miraculously endowed with a knowledge of many languages and with diverse gifts of the Holy Ghost. He who has never learned cannot teach. It is a great reproach to religion that its heralds and defenders should be ignorant men, without knowledge, without discernment. It is shocking to all good sense and right feeling when ignorance opens wide its brawling mouth on matters the most solemn and momentous. A bishop must be apt to teach. What a grief to the pious when those who are set for the defense of the gospel have need that one teach them which be the first principles of the oracles of God. Let every scribe be well instructed unto the kingdom of heaven and bring forth out of his treasure things new and old. It is a pleasing fact that the controversy respecting an educated ministry seems to be nearly over. The danger now is that shallow attainments will be regarded as sufficient. But enlightened piety must employ a sleepless vigilance against so great an error. It often happens that a minister's usefulness is hindered by his adopting a carnal policy in consistency with worldly maxims which rule his behavior. Piety of the right sort will cause us to set the Lord always before us, will so expel the fear of man as to deliver us from that snare, and will make us act wisely without cunning, modestly without timidity, and boldly without impudence. Something must be risked in every exertion of duty. He who hopes to be useful without some hazard will be mistaken. Avoid courses of indirection. Ask of men for what you really wish and no more. It is sad to find such a rule as this in a work on the ministry. Quote, if you wish to have the pulpit lowered a little, begin by asking to have the spire taken down, unquote. Such arts are soon discovered and must impair confidence.
they are contrary to sincerity. True piety will always give us such holy trust in God as to free us from excessive anxiety about any of our affairs, in particular respecting our standing with the world. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thy heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Psalm 37, verses 3 through 7. He who practices thus will be safer than any man ever is by resorting to the wiles of carnal men. It is a great error of some that they are always defending themselves. Their defense, conducted in a worldly spirit, does them more harm than all the assaults of wicked men. Others are greatly injured by so training their friends as to make them heated advocates. Overzealous defenders don't appear to see that they actually provoke opposition. Men like to torment them. For a time, one was beset with much evil speaking. Enemies were lively. Some friends were cold. He often received anonymous letters. To those who sought an explanation, he gave it, and they were satisfied. But the storm raged on. At one time, he was in danger of losing his temper. At another, he seemed despondent. At another, he thought of a public vindication. But the evil rumors were so many that a judicial process, which would have embraced them all, must have lasted for months. The public temper was all wrong. At last he resolved, in reliance on God, to keep silence and maintain quietness of soul till life should end or the tempest cease. His meditation ran thus, If these rumors are true, it would not be lawful to deny them. In such case, my mouth ought to be stopped. If they are false, my noticing them will not make them more so. I have determined to try to imitate one of whom it is said, he never forgot anything except injuries. The early Christians, when reviled, did bless. So will I. When Jesus was reviled, he reviled not again. Patient continuance in well-doing will, if anything will, put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. It is the glory of a man to pass over a transgression. He who utters, or without good evidence, believes a false rumor is hurt far more than anyone else. I should pity such with all my heart. Our rejoicing is this, the testimony of our conscience. I have put all that concerns me into the hands of Christ, and he will keep what I have committed to him. It shall ever be my rule to leave off contention before I begin it, and not after I have defiled my conscience with it. It may be that the Lord will look upon my affliction and requite me good for this cursing this day. Second Samuel 
I need forgiveness for 10,000 sins. Shall I not forgive others? I have lived to no purpose if rumors not founded in truth can destroy my good name. I hope some of my detractors will soon have a better spirit. They have not always shown such evil dispositions. Experience proves that nothing is more tormenting than malignant feelings. If I am called to these trials, so were Job and Moses and David and Paul and Christ. It is enough that I fare no worse than they. This is perhaps the best opportunity I shall have for a long time of showing the meekness and patience of Christ. Time spent in prayer will do more good than if spent in fending and proving, in vindications and recriminations. Eternity is just at hand. It will make these little annoyances soon to disappear. I shall not think of them once in a million of ages. Or if I do, it will be only to thank God for sustaining me under them and for bringing me out of them. Therefore, I will possess my soul in patience and maintain silence. Nothing shall change my purpose. His friends could not change his mind and left him, some with regret, but all with respect. Time rolled on. The tide of feeling rose to its height and soon began to subside. His quietness itself had shown the falsity of much that had been said. Unexpected evidence arose in his behalf. His busiest enemies relaxed their efforts and by degrees changed to be his defenders. The highest character ever given of him was by one who had circulated most of the slanders, and he had the satisfaction of seeing how safe is character in the hands of God. His meditation was wise. Its end was peace. His very purpose gave relief to his mind. Such piety will make the conduct of ministers under affliction truly edifying to their people. They will not roar and be tumultuous in the day of trial, nor will they melt away. If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. On the death of his wife, Dr. Livingston writes, It is done. The conflict is over. She has obtained the victory and is entered into rest. I do not love my blessed Jesus anything less for afflicting me. He is now very precious to me. All my springs are in him. He stands by me and strengthens me. It is the Lord. He hath taken away. Blessed be his name notwithstanding. It is the heaviest stroke I ever received, but it is well. In the Lord I have righteousness and strength. It is heartrending to see any professor of Christ's religion utterly dejected and comfortless 
in the day of sorrow and bereavement. But it is glorious to God and well for his people when we sing songs in the prison and walk loose and unhurt and unabashed in the furnace. It shows that there is one with us like unto the Son of God. Such piety will make men truly happy. The joy of the Lord will then be their strength. They will be anointed with the oil of gladness and will enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. At the close of a well-spent Sabbath, Philip Henry once said, If this be not heaven, it must be the way to it. Amen. William Plumer on the Benefits of Genuine Piety from his Hints and Helps in Pastoral Theology, published in 1873. Thank you for joining us this week at the Saybrook Meeting House. We hope you've been blessed by today's podcast. Saybrook Ministries' mission is to provide didactic and devotional content from the Christian faith delivered to the saints, recovered and refined by the Protestant Reformation. Be sure to visit saybrookministries.org for continually updated Christian content designed to inspire and invigorate our imagination and intellect. Join us next week for another journey to the Saybrook Meeting House. Until then, may God bless you.